Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Do not make the same mistake I did. Do not look at your 401k. Don't do it. Don't do it. Holy crap. Not a fun day in the markets. It hasn't been a fun week in the market. It hasn't been a fun month in the markets. I know it's just the start of a week, but you know what I mean. The Dow is down 500 at this moment. The NASDAQ is down 393. It was below 600 today. Who knows where it's going to end up? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. I'm curious to know what you do at this moment. Now, with the 401k, the answer is nothing, right? I, I did consider halting payments to it and putting the money somewhere else for a while. But I don't know if that's the right answer or not. But certainly when things have fallen, and, and, and they have, do you, you, you see the opportunity uh, that, that may be in front of you. You guys know that I'm, I'm a crypto guy. Not as much as other people. I, I am not one of these crypto millionaires. If I was, I, I, I'd be done already. But holy cow, Bitcoin's at 32,000. Ethereum's at 2,400. I don't own enough Bitcoin uh, or, or Ethereum to count, uh, by the way. Litecoin, which I at one time thought was going to be a winner, is at eighty-five bucks. It's it's messed up. Oh, for your Doge people, it's at eleven cents. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe with Twitter uh, and and Elon Musk, it's going to be the way things get done. I don't I don't know. Who know, who knows what may come of that? The question is, what do people do in in these times? And 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 do people just hold? Do is this the right time to invest? Is it the feel that the markets are going lower? Tony at TonyCats.com, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I, I, I can talk to experts about where they're at. I want to know where people are at. Because on this subject, people certainly know more uh, than I do. I, I just simply share that I watch this fall and I watch this White House tell me that the economics, the, the, the fountain, you know, everything's fundamentally sound. And I, and I laugh. I laugh out loud at this idea that you can make the claim that things are economically sound. Now, if you were to ask Speaker Pelosi, she'll tell you, oh, things are great. I want to salute President Biden for putting so much money into local government, enabling it to be helpful in this way, and to recognize Jason Chu, who's the original administrator for HUD. Uh, uh, Marsha Fudge is the secretary. Thank you. Because when COVID hit, the, uh, we fought and fought and fought to get resources for the state, but also for the cities and counties to meet the needs of whether it's our first responders, our health care providers, it, our, our teachers, our teachers, our teachers, and this week is also National Education, Public Education Week. So many things to celebrate, observe. And so, again, the president saw all of this as one. But he saw... Can we just stop? Oh, she is just... That's, that's more Nancy Pelosi than you should ever be treated to, and I apologize from the bottom of my heart. 
How about the fact that putting all this money, giving so much money to local governments, was putting the money into the economy and creating the inflationary pressure, thus bringing us possibly to many of these moments? Maybe that money, if it went to supply chain and retrofitting uh, the port of Long Beach in Los Angeles, maybe we'd be better off. Maybe local governments have to deal with the fact that they have mismanaged. I, 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 I find it personally offensive. You may find it different. I find it personally offensive that we, we, we look to the business community where we allowed riots to take place in cities or people haven't come back to work downtown in the main, right? Some people are never coming back to work downtown. I'm never coming back to work downtown. That doesn't mean that there aren't people in the building that I work in that aren't coming back to work downtown. But what have local governments done to try and help those small businesses? Because they all benefit from having the people downtown. And then the local government says, well, we need more, but they don't do anything to build the businesses back up. That's despicable. I have a real, I, I, a very, very uh, uh, real uh, uh, disgust for the people who push that kind of, of theory and, and, and philosophy. Maybe we'd all be better off if there wasn't so much cash into the system. Maybe we wouldn't be seeing this in the marketplace right now. And by the way, the market... The market could turn around in 17 seconds and it could be up 9,000 for all I know. It certainly seems uh, like this this sell-off is continuing. And I want to know what people do in a continuing sell-off. I want to know. 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. Uh, ben on Twitter, uh, when there's blood in the streets, buy, even if it's your blood. That's a quote from Baron Rothschild. I, I, don't know the, I don't know the quote, but I like it. Now, producer Ari, if you don't know, an investing maven. He is, he loves it. He is all about it. He has said for years now, Tony, g- give me your money. I'll make you money. That's true. I have said that. Yeah, I said that. I, I, I haven't done it yet. Uh, because I, I don't know if I believe him. You take a look. What moves have you made, producer Ari? You're going to laugh at market? me. I, I'm not going to laugh at you. I invested in uh, with I bonds with the government. You invested in what? Investment bonds in the U.S. government. Because the yield's up so much. 9.6 return interest rate? Are you kidding me? Heck yeah. So, okay. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing. So why would I? I don't know why you thought I would laugh at you. Because I was... Investing in the government, so I don't know. I thought you'd say, oh, the government sucks, which, yeah, kind of, but I like money. No, no, uh, big government sucks. Government's fine, right? I'm cool with government. I have issues with size, right? Size matters, and uh, and, and and small is better. That's going to make a terrible promo for the show. I swear it is, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Guaranteed, that's going to be made into a promo. That's my issue. But you take a look at it. You take a look at where they where they are. Uh, the ten year uh, treasury is um, is at three point one seven, uh, and that the yield on the thirty year treasury was three point two. So I mean, there, there's there's a lot of, of of movement there. There's a lot of opportunity there. So 
I, I, I can, I think that makes sense. I think it make, makes perfect sense. So I want to know what people are doing. Let me know. Find me on Twitter at Tony Katz. Email me, Tony at Tony Katz, uh, dot com. I, I would tell you that, uh, you know, when I started with don't look at your 401k, that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. This is rough. Panic is going to help absolutely no one. Absolutely no one. In the meantime, Supreme Court justices, they are being kept in an undisclosed location because Joe Biden and the Democratic Party were silent while they were being attacked. That story coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. When he moves his family to a hotel, empty his house, and burn his blank in front of the hotel. That is a tweet from a guy by the name of Steve Cox. You don't know the guy. That's all right. He was a candidate for Congress in California's 39th. This commentary, this attack on the justices of the Supreme Court from the progressives, it's coming from all quarters, and it has no end. And if you say to me, wait a second, why in the world would any justice be going to a hotel? It's because justices have been moved to undisclosed locations for their safety. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. When Joe Biden said nothing about the leak, the leak, which was meant to apply pressure to the justices, it was meant to cause this very moment because Samuel Alito has a first draft that was written in February, but the decision isn't coming out until the end of June or early July. And this first draft would overturn Roe v. Wade. It would overturn Roe versus Wade and therefore not end abortion. It would send it back as a state's rights issue exactly as it should be. And then states will make the decision of what to do from there. Well, of course, uh, the left, always overplaying their hand, has lost their mind on this subject. Abortion to them is the single most important thing in the history of the world. What about the Second Amendment? (laughs) Screw the Second Amendment. We don't care about that. That shouldn't even be allowed. Yes, but that's an amendment in the Constitution, and abortion is nowhere in the Constitution. Oh, you shut up with your madness. You just hate women. Well, that's a take. But that's the take they're taking to the bank. And so you're seeing people screaming and yelling in front of the homes of Supreme Court justices because their home addresses were leaked. And they're chanting some of the most bizarre, bizarre chants possible. I mean, we're talking about some very, very weird stuff right here. Keep abortion safe and legal. You don't care if people die. You don't care if people die. You don't care if people die. Pro-life people lie. I think 
think that's what they're saying. I'm not sure. You don't care if people die. These are people in favor of unfettered access to abortion, who favor partial birth abortion, who are in many cases okay with infanticide, like the former governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam. He said it. Don't get angry with me. You don't care if people die is a very, very weird thing to hear someone say. But we're in the full-on assault here on these justices. And we have a, uh, a, a, a political party that not only doesn't care, but is down with it and thinks there's a reason for it. This was Laura Jarrett. Daughter of Valerie Jarrett, CNN uh, commentator, speaking today after being asked the question. Listen to this. Though is the protests, mm. um, and and this is a question about civility. The frustration people feel is personal, but where's the line? Obviously, what we see the the apparent arson at a um, at an anti-abortion nonprofit in Wisconsin is over the line. Violence is always over the line, but there are real questions and conversations today about protests outside Supreme Court justices' houses particularly Justice Kavanaugh. Um, Where do you think that line is? I think for a lot of people, a conversation about civility feels um, like it misses the mark Mm. when constitutional rights that you believe that you had for over 50 years are about to be overturned. The justices have security. So far, all of the protests have seemed overwhelmingly nonviolent. They set fire to a pro-life center in Wisconsin. But, of course, this is CNN. The justices have security. So far, all of the protests have seemed overwhelmingly nonviolent. In Los Angeles, we already saw violence. <clears throat> but that was last week. Oh, excuse me. Ooh. Wrong pipe. Oh, that was brutal. Never let that happen to you on radio. We already saw the violence. We already saw the violence that took place in Los Angeles. Now we're setting these these life centers on fire. And Politico, being, well, Politico, uh, they decided to say, well, there was some damage done. It was set on fire. There wasn't just some damage done. That's nonsense. Look at how they downplay the savagery of this pro-choice side that believes that abortion is the single most important thing that ever existed. And if you don't agree, you have to suffer. These people don't even speak for all women. I love this Bill Maher clip. I don't know if you've heard this or not. This Bill Maher clip is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I don't want to do it, but it's the big issue, and we got to do it, and this is what happened. And, you know, it's interesting because until this memo was leaked and we found out that now, unless something we very unforeseen happens, the Supreme Court is going to undo Roe versus Wade after 49 years, we haven't really been focusing on it, or maybe I'm projecting. I guess I haven't been enough because... I learned things this week, because this put it on the front page, that are pretty basic things that I did not know about abortion. Like in Europe, the modern countries of Europe, way more restrictive than we are. 
or what they're even proposing. If you are pro-choice, you would like it a lot less in Germany and Italy and France and Spain and Switzerland. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's right. Okay. Um, I, I learned most people who are pro-life are women. Did not know that. If you ask these people, however, they will all tell you that they're here to defend the rights of women. Women are under assault. Women are under attack. Women don't want Roe v. Wade. Maybe you can argue, as some polling shows us, they would like abortion to be legal. But they also want abortion to be restricted. America, never mind just women, but let's go with America in toto. America is not down with the idea that there is unfettered abortion, including partial birth abortion. They're not there for it. But this is exactly what Chuck Schumer and the Democratic Party are trying to put forth. They're trying to put forth the idea that partial birth abortion should absolutely be a right. And how could you be opposed to partial birth abortion? I mean, this is part of their their philosophy. So when America is telling you, look, we're okay with legal, but we just don't want it to be an everyday thing, and the progressives within the Democratic Party are saying, abortion everywhere, all the time, sing about it, and whatever the mutilation is, we're cool. I didn't ask you whether you thought an abortion was killing a, a baby or not. I'm, I'm moved past that for this conversation. We can agree that it's mutilation. Baby and birth canal can be aborted? Man, you got yourself a fetish I want no part of. No part of. But this is the party that also believes in absolute violence on the subject. There's just no reason to have a fence around the Supreme Court. That's because the left is engaging in acts of violence. Setting a life center on fire, that's an act of violence. Threatening justices, by the way, just showing up to their houses is the act of violence. But now you want to take their stuff and burn it? More and more and more violence every single day. And that's not even the, the half of it. There comes a moment where you realize what you're dealing with here is a cult. We're not talking about people in America who may have a, a reason or, or belief that abortion should be legal. We're talking about the cult that says if you even think about touching abortion, we'll destroy you. I only hope the cult gets destroyed. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So it's almost fascinating to watch how the so-called beliefs and theories of the administration haven't connected with the American people. This is not about where you are politically. This is simply about what's been happening. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great uh, to be with you. If, if uh, I'm not a poll guy, right? I, I don't, I never believe just one poll, but as I've often discussed, you can take an amalgam of things and put them together and, and get some trends. 
right? Believing one poll those days are over for me. So it was Rasmussen working with uh, Heartland.org where nearly two-thirds of voters don't want Biden to run for re-election. And you see how both Trump or DeSantis could beat Biden in an election. There is real, real anger out there. And then there's this poll about where voters are at. And where voters are at is they are more worried about energy prices. That's a top subject. Sterling Burnett joins us right now. Dr. Burnett, director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy. He's the managing editor of Environment and Climate News and, of course, works with the Heartland Institute, heartland.org. You've been taking a look at uh, this study, taking a look at this information. It's 82% of voters who are saying they're either very or somewhat concerned about rising energy and gas prices under the Biden administration, were they just worried about the prices or were they worried about why the prices were rising? Well, they're worried about both, but they're worried about the effect the prices are having on every other thing they purchase and inflation. You know, it's it's all tied together and the voters get it. Evidently, the Biden administration doesn't. So when there's a conversation about uh, the energy prices, uh, one of the things that the poll showed was that 60 percent of likely voters favor a law that would dramatically increase American energy production. And only 30 percent believe it is very likely that climate change will be catastrophic for humans, plants and animals within the next century. We'll leave that 30 percent number off to the side uh, for for a moment. It's the 60 percent. That's so interesting because this is where the political divide takes place. You can find everyone, uh, the vast majority of Americans, not everyone. There are some progressives who want high oil prices. They're super happy with it. Uh, The vast majority of Americans want low gas prices. uh, And you see 60% favoring a law that would dramatically increase American energy production. This is where the political divide is what actually would mean an increase in American energy production? How would that work? Well, it would mean rescinding a lot of the policies that Biden implemented and going back to policies that uh, Trump had instilled. So it means putting American domestic energy production first. So you rescind, you allow pipelines to get built. You, in fact, expedite pipelines. You don't uh, block, withdraw, support lawsuits that block pipelines. You don't impose new restrictions on oil and gas production uh, on public lands. You don't put moratoriums on oil and gas production on public lands. You don't install new rules saying you can't ship LNG through approved, with approved uh, natural gas containers on rails if you don't have pipelines. Uh, the Biden administration has, has gone through a series of rules intended to fight climate change that restrict oil and gas production. Uh, and some of these regulations have been struck down by the courts, and the Biden administration has consistently ignored the court orders, saying you must offer, by law, the law requires you to offer uh, new oil and gas leases. The Biden administration just flouts that order. says, too bad, we're not going to do it. And then when they finally get around to doing some of it, they issue very restricted leases. The law says... We are supposed to drill in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. It was a law passed by Congress. Biden says no. Uh, the law, we specifically set up uh, something called the uh, National Petroleum Reserve A, which is in Alaska, 
So it's National Petroleum Reserve. It's specifically set aside for oil production. Biden puts 80 percent of it off limits. (laughs) You're going to get higher oil and gas prices. Uh, and they were going up long before the war started, but ever since Biden... No, that much is true. That much is true. Talking to Dr. Sterling Burnett, director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy. Learn more at heartland.org. I want to go back to something that you said. First, LNG is liquid natural gas, right? Liquefied natural gas. But when you talk about pipelines and then trucking and or, or, or you know on trains and then uh creating situations where you can't put it on trains you're talking keystone pipeline here and and That's and the, the well the argument's been on keystone that even if this has been the Gensaki argument even if we we opened up the keystone pipeline it would be years before it was doing anything and we're still you know shipping the 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 energy out of canada so it's not like our energy changes but yet there's this attitudinal theory that if we were to do this, you would see more willingness to try and develop the energy sources here. Did the, did the blocking of Keystone signal to oil companies, hey, you don't, don't even try and mess with the leases that you have. This, this administration is just going to shoot you down. Well, it did send that signal. The other things that sent that signal was them blocking other pipelines across the country. Um, but. Jen Psaki just lied. I mean, that's that's not there's not even debate. Jen Psaki lied because eighty five percent or more of the pipeline had already been built. All the domestic side of it, just the part crossing from Canada, needed to be built, and that could have been built in a year. We could have been receiving oil from that pipeline had they not rescinded the permit. So uh, her, her claim. She, she acts like all of it had to be built. No, most of it was already built. And in fact, uh, some of the oil is now coming to the U.S. through a different pipeline, a workaround. We had we reversed a pipeline, and so about a third of the oil that could have come through Keystone is now coming through other pipelines from Canada. So to say that uh, we would not, it would not have an effect, is just it was a lie. So now let's take a look at some other uh, parts of this. This poll, by the way, had 1,004 uh, likely voters in it. It was uh, April 28th uh, to, to May 2nd. Is, is there anybody that, I don't know, I, I don't want to necessarily ask the question politically, but, but allow me to, because there are certainly people on the quote-unquote political right who also buy into a lot of the climate change arguments that I don't believe that they should. Is there any argument that works for anybody on the political left that can get them to a place where they start recognizing that an increase in American energy production, which, as you describe it, for example, is if you set aside land in Alaska, you don't take 80% of it and then say, no, you can't use this. You allow people to use it in totality. Those kinds of things. Um, is, is there is, are there any places where there is a common ground, or for lack of a better word, I hate the expression, but common cause on the idea of, well, we could do these three things, and what are those three things? Well, you know, it's hard to tell because they're not treated as separate items. It's just if you're going to increase oil and gas production, the Dem leadership. Look, the Dem leadership is different from Democrats who are polled. In this survey, uh, Six percent of Republicans said you wanted more oil and gas production. Well, we know from past elections, incumbents are the swing. They're the ones that will make the difference. 
57% of independents wanted oil and gas production, increased oil and gas production. But even 46% of Democrats, almost half, wanted more oil and gas production. So mainstream Democrats, the average Democrat on the street gets it. It's only their leadership led by radicals like the squad that don't understand this. Well, let's talk about the squad, because the poll says something very interesting, and this goes to the idea of indoctrination, not education. Talking uh, to uh, Dr. Sterling Burnett, director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy, managing editor of Environment and Climate News. You can get more at heartland.org. Here it is. Among younger likely voters between the ages of 19 and 39, 57% believe that climate change poses a catastrophic threat to humanity in the next 100 years. 73% are concerned about rising energy and gas prices, but they are more prone to favor policies that would deter energy production and limit carbon dioxide uh, emissions. They'd like for it to be cheaper, but they're afraid they're going to die, so they're okay with the cost and believe what they have been taught for over a a, a generation. Education and uh, the education complex in this this debate making things a lot lot more difficult to to engage? Yeah, it is. But, you know, what was interesting about the poll is a couple of things. The only cohort, the only group of people that were more concerned about climate change than oil and gas production were the 18 to 29. So by race, by gender, by income, Everybody else, for addiction, was more concerned about oil and gas prices than they were about climate change. Only 18 to 39-year-old youth. But even they, it, 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 it was sort of a close thing. By uh, two percentage points, uh, 18 to 39-year-olds favored carbon cuts over oil and gas creases. 39% wanted uh, carbon cuts. 37% wanted Oil and gas increases. So even among the cohort where they overwhelmingly believe there will be catastrophic consequences in the next 100 years, 37% were saying, hold it. We've got to do something about the oil and gas prices. So that's heartening. Despite, look, we've had 40 years of propagandizing in public schools, on the mainstream media, corporate media, uh, trying to convince people. For most people, they haven't convinced them. But, you know, where you've you've captured use, there are, you know, people born today that have never experienced anything like this, the gas prices. And they're waking up. (laughs) They're waking up. And as they start paying their electric bills for their iPads to charge their iPads and their cell phones and for their uh, electric cars, they're going to wake up even more. So the fact that it was was only 2% difference between those that wanted more production and want those that wanted cuts to fight climate change, I took to be a little bit heartening. But but it's only it, it's only a, a a a good thing, a move thing, and if if it moves them to an action, and that action, of course, is is elections. The the yeah. idea that they will vote not for Democrats in in because you would just go with with the uh, with with the averages there. The, the idea that they won't vote for Democrats because they know they need more oil and gas production or at least the removal of the regulations to be, to be able to drill properly, et cetera. What are the odds that that's going to happen? Are, 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 as you see it, if you were advising people based on this polling, based on uh, your own study, is this the winning argument to gain voters for the Republican Party? 
it is one of the winning arguments because here's the deal. Polls consistently show, this poll was didn't survey this, but polls consistently show that no matter how bad climate change is, when it's compared to other issues people face, it ranks dead last or second to last. When they go to the polls, they vote on, do, do I have a job? Can I afford my bills? How are the schools? Uh, are we in a war? How's the defense? Uh, is crime up in my neighborhood? Climate change ranks way down the list. So we were just looking at climate change in isolation with oil and gas. But when you lump it in with all the other things people vote on, my suspicion is climate change is not going to be first and foremost for most voters, even 18 to 30 voters. So, I mean, but, okay, so you're making actually a different argument than, than I was asking a question of. And it's not about you even have to convince them. It's just not the thing that is moving them at the polls. That is simply dreadful, dreadful, dreadful news uh, for uh, the the progressive left. But it does lead you to a question that, you know, when it, it I, I don't, I have never thought that the politically the right should avoid conversations about uh, the the environment. It's one thing to note that we're not all going to die tomorrow. It's another thing to note places where we can do better. It, it, does that ever come up in, in 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 polling that you see or in conversations that you're engaged with that there are maybe more practical solutions and concepts uh, to some of the things that we're dealing with? Well, you know, polls show that a lot of people favor renewable energy and uh, they they favor supporting renewable energy over taxes on carbon emissions and, and taxes on oil and gas. Uh, but polls consistently show, you know, most people won't even pay $10, an extra $10 a year, an extra $1 or $2 a month for electricity to fight climate change. Overwhelmingly show that. So uh, that's positive to me. As far as, you know, polls show, let's, let's find common ground. Oh, well, we all want renewable energy. The truth is, I think the more people learn about wind and solar, industrial wind and solar, the less are inclined to support it. But it's an educated process. Look, they've had 40 years to, to indoctrinate on climate change. They've had 30 years of good indoctrination on the virtues of wind and solar. And uh, only a little bit has the message gotten out that, look, if you care about the environment, if you care about birds, if you care about endangered species, all these things that environmentalists are supposed to care about, you shouldn't be supporting wind and solar. If you care about reliable electricity, we had, we had a wake-up call in the winter in Texas. Winter is not our peak energy system. Uh, I'm, I'm here in Texas. Winter is not our peak electric power demand. Summer is, these hot summers. But we had an energy shortfall, and it was largely due to the large influx of wind and solar power onto the Texas electric grid. And that was a wake-up call for legislators and the public alike. And I think, you know, California has it every summer, and there are new reports out saying California is going to wind up hundreds of thousands of homes short right. of electric power because they've shut down. You know, at one time the electric power grid was designed by they, engineers. Now it's designed by politicians. Who absolutely, and, and hopefully for them enough people have moved out that they'll be okay, but they're not going to be okay. Uh, Steve, <laughs> Sterling Burnett, Ph.D., director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy, managing editor of Environment and Climate News at heartland.org. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz.
My life be like ooh, ah, yeah, ooh, ooh, My life be like ooh, Am I supposed to believe anything Mark Esper is saying about President Trump? These books drive me nuts. I don't. I, I, there, there's nothing to believe. Trump's going to say it's all not true. Esper's going to say it's all true. Somewhere in between is the truth. He's the former defense secretary. And he's got the new book, A Sacred Oath, Memoirs of a Secretary of Defense During Extraordinary Times. Then again, this is the guy who thought it was strange that Trump would say, hey, why don't we launch missiles into Mexico to hit drug, drug labs run by the cartels? If Esper had ever spent any time on a bar stool, people wonder why we don't take out the cartels. I'm Tony Katz.